Welcome to Baratech, a podcast where three semi-abnormal dudes discuss myths, music, and other miscellaneous. <laughs> um, and then... He uh, <laughs> just walked all over the tag, man. <laughs> He's attacking me already. <laughs> Baratech. <laughs> But yeah, we're going to talk about music, Miss, and other miscellaneous stuff today. Uh, I'm Sam Oceans, also known as Panda Bear. I'm Polar Bear. I'm Sam Montano. I'm not Sam. I'm Nate, (laughs) also known as Blitz. (laughs) And on today's episode, we are attacking Beauty and Tragedy, um, which is ironic because I am highlighting the artist known as August Burns Red. And uh, if you haven't heard of them, well, you're going to hear about them today. And, if you haven't uh, heard plus about whatever them, it's else, amazing. I know. Plus whatever else comes into mind, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, what do you guys got today? Polar Bear, are you, uh, you going mid again? Yeah, I'll go mid. Uh, I'm telling a story um, that I'm calling You Live Where? And mm. it's a fun, fun story because it's true. <laughs> it's my first like 100% it happened true story is uh wait are you lying about your dad in Bigfoot no but that's just like my dad's experience so okay, you gotta, gotcha. like, you gotta choose if you believe that one or not that's this fair. one like it's documented in crime records and there's like three or four movies made about it ooh I'm intrigued alright and Blitzbear, what do you got for us? I am talking about beauty and tragedy. <laughs> um, I would hope so. I have, I have stories about people dying and stuff. It's it's pretty metal. <laughs> and meta all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's also very cheery. <laughs> anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed Bear Attack. Uh, and don't forget... We're going to have all kinds of tangents and randomness and, you know, the miscellaneous part of this podcast. As usual. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the show. Season 2, Episode 3. I can't believe we're this far into it already. It's crazy. Uh, I just like the sound of Season 2. It just sounds good to me. Season 2. We're getting better at uh, programming our equipment. I think that's part of the deal. Yeah. Or at least I am. I don't know. I'm not just doing it on a microphone or on a... Well, I still am doing it on a microphone, but no longer on a cell phone. I think I've regressed because my laptop broke again. Uh, I don't know. I really want to buy that microphone and get an interface and then not have to worry about this Tascam nonsense. Dude, I would... Uh, well, I don't think they make USB mics. That is the thing that's nice about this one is it just plugs right into your computer. But uh, Yeah, I feel like the quality goes down that way, though. So I went to NAMM, uh, the National Association of Music makers makers yep i think i don't actually know um but uh everybody and their doggy was there yeah I really there. and, it, and my what's dog funny was is, here with me <laughs> well what's funny is i didn't realize uh that people were there until i left and then i started seeing everyone's instagram posts but matt griner was there um yari from winter sun was there jared dines was there so those are some of my big uh heroes i guess you could say maybe Matt Griner yeah. definitely is, but uh, uh, Matt Griner. There from, were a bunch of guys. Matt Griner's the drummer of August Burns Red, the band we're talking about today, and I got to play JB's Ibanez, um, though it wasn't plugged in or tuned. And oh, is that why such, that was cool? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. that's that's I, JB's 
I did not. Oh, get you're that. not helping. You are not helping credibility here. If, for those of you that don't know ABR, uh, JB's got this signature Ibanez. It's like a neon green color, and I believe it's got a white stripe mm-hmm. at the bottom of it's it. It's supposed to be like Philadelphia Eagles, kind of like inspired. So back in the day when they, I think, I think that guitar came into being during their third record constellations. Um, and uh, he put white uh, strike tape around the guitar to make it look cool. And then Ibanez, once they got bigger and better and uh, Ibanez sponsored them, Ibanez released a signature series guitar based on it. And it has uh, his like signature on the back and all that. It's pretty sweet. And okay. also uh, Dustin Davidson, their bassist slash guitarist, and uh, CVT, one of uh, Jared Dine's, rivals on youtube they uh, are sponsored by kiesel guitars and they had their guitars there as well jet war i don't i don't think that me not knowing that, that was jb's guitar actually hurts our credibility because i'm a drummer fair all right we gotta get back to bigfoot at some point who's uh <laughs> who's going first wait for it <laughs> <laughs> so loud my audio cut out <laughs> completely <laughs> oh my gosh it's my like phone in Star Wars where... nope it's like when they uh, hyperspace <laughs> through the uh, Star Destroyer it was just silent <laughs> I think that coronavirus is getting to me or oh something. no <laughs> just drink actual have, corona have, here that kills it I need to go I need to go have a Modelo or something dude I live like <laughs> an hour from corona Gross, I'm sorry. Like I said before, we're talking about August Burns Red. Uh, they were formed in 2003. They're a metalcore band, I guess. Uh, they are they have a Christian I- ideology that kind of lingers around in the background a little bit. They're not too obvious about it, but you know it's there. Um, they're from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, technically, they're from actually from Mannheim, because um, I listened to their live CD that they did called Home, and they said... We're at home, and they're in Mannheim, so that's like a borough of Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Um, the current members are Jake Lutters, J.B. Brubaker, Brent Rambler, Dustin Davidson, and Matt Greiner. Uh, they've been nominated for two Grammys. Mm-hmm. When they were formed, the members were still in high school, and their practices were held on Matt Greiner's family farm and the infamous Egg House yep. uh, as one and example. Egg Room. Yep. And there were rats uh, in the insulation that they could see running around sometimes. Yeah, how metal is that? Um, and it, it's weird. You look at these dudes, and they don't look super metal other than Jake. Um, yeah, Jake, and uh, at one point, Dustin was pretty metal-looking, but he's lost all his... Uh, he used to have long hair and gauges and stuff. Well, not long hair, but like kind of skater emo hair. They all seem like what they are. They're blue-collar, like town guys they're probably all dads like they all have that dad look to them yeah Um, jb and brett are yeah and jb wears flip-flops to every show yep yeah and like i mentioned they were nominated for two grammys once in 2016 for best metal performance for the song identity off of uh found in faraway places and again in 2018 uh for the same category for invisible enemy which is off of phantom anthem ABR was one of the first metal bands I was really exposed to, and I started following them way before I liked metal. My taste in music has always been getting progressively harder, um, and there are two bands specifically, Demon Hunter and ABR. 
I liked both of them because they were Christian, though ABRs, only two of the band members still identify as Christians, Jake and Matt. Um, but uh, anyway, I thought that was cool because it's like kind of a weird, you know, metal's usually associated with Satanism. And then Demon Hunter's album art was just crazy. So when their Extremist album came out, I actually bought it just because I liked the album art and their deluxe box set so much. And I didn't even get the box set. I just thought it was cool and I had to have the album. And I listened to the crap out of that. And then Mr. Coon, our friend, was like, hey, ABR is coming to uh, uh, Phoenix. And I was still following them. I liked um, Whitewashed because of the pitch harmonics. And... Mm. Uh, it was like, and because they wore jeans and flip flops on stage, and I just thought that was hilarious, and how clean cut they were, and I was like, let's go, and uh, that's how I got into metal, late in the game, because most people late in the game, most people do it in like middle school, and I was like halfway through college. I mean, I, I was into like old school metal, like Maiden and stuff like that, and Metallica. Uh, I didn't really start getting into like the newer stuff until I was in high school. Uh, it was all, ironically it was all Satan worship in my house <laughs> <laughs> and ironically uh, well I mean unless you consider Linkin Park metal but I don't so uh, metal-esque because my dad used to blast uh, Hybrid Theory and Meteora in our house they definitely have metal songs um, if they're not full-blown metal right uh, but ironically the first like song that I really went oh my gosh I need more of this uh, was off of Rescue Restore song called spirit breaker same that's the song that got me into metal like full-blown yeah. where i wasn't just listening to extremist and uh and it's not even the, <laughs> it's not even the guitar that got me because that's usually what gets me it's the spoken word part yeah i could understand what they were saying and i was like this screaming has a meaning to it and then after it busted <laughs> back into the screaming and i knew what he was saying i was like dude this is great yeah so, abr is a foundation band for my transformation into the uh, metal virtuoso that i am today i didn't know that i'm hearing all this for the first time i'm glad wow. you brought up spirit breaker because uh yeah that was that was when i realized uh i listened to spirit breaker and at the end of it i was like i like this stuff now well and then i was like does it get harder than this and then somebody played me messengers and i was like oh oh, yeah. oh my god <laughs> uh, uh, yeah and you, you, it's just like a drug you, you just can't stop taking it after that like mm. um that, polar bear what's your you're you're the one that's not as big on abr but you still like them yeah i like them i just i don't know they're not my favorite of favorite bands but i, I dig their music but um the first time i actually ever heard uh an august burn red song was i was in a band and the singer was like I'm going for a certain sound. Sam, can you play like like this? And he, he played me. Um, <laughs> That's messed up if, right there. Mike Ryder is me? one of the most legendary drummers in any kind of metal. Uh, Mariana, <laughs> he played me Mariana's Trench. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! And, That's yeah, messed I can, up. I can actually play Mar Mariana's Trench. It's not wow. that big a deal. That's impressive. Well, it took a little bit of practice, but yeah, I can play Mariana's Trench. We should do a um, cover. Too bad I can't sing like that. <laughs> no, I can't either, so we're going to find a guy. Nate. My yeah, screams can, do I mean, not sound like that. I can't I can't scream like Jake Lurs, but I could scream. I mean, we could do... It's a cover, so we can do whatever the heck we want to it. Just turn it into like a... Uh, a I uh, could sing it clean. Let's do, yeah, Let's do a hip-hop cover. 
<laughs> I mean, they've done that. <laughs> Dude, how how hard was it to learn um, Trench? So, like, technically speaking, when you break it, like, when you break it down and you can, like, actually, and you just, like, read it like sheet music and play through it, it's hard, but it's not impossible. But it's just such an aerobic workout. <laughs> I was going to say, the time signature would get me. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of notes in a very small place. And I used to be in much better shape. And I would just, like, we'd finish the song that, like, I based, the part I wrote, I based off of Mariano's Trench. And we got out of that, and I would just be, like, sweating. Mm. <laughs> and there's a spot in our bridge where, like, it was a big fill into a breakdown, and after the breakdown, um, I didn't have a part for a second. It went to like kind of a soft guitar riff, and for like, I think it was a four second break I had, and I would just go, <gasps> and then back in. <laughs> I love it. Um, in 2004, they released their first EP called uh, Looks Fragile After All, which uh, is the only thing with their original singer, John Hershey. And so hard to listen to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. It's cringy. His uh, voice is so... Right. Uh, their first full-length album came out in 2005 with their second singer, Josh McManus, who left a year later. Uh, I believe it was after, like, one tour or something. Josh had a killer voice, but he could not enunciate to save his life. I cannot understand right. a word of that album without a lyric sheet. <laughs> And that was the last album with original bass player uh, Jordan Tuscan, yeah. uh, who also left in Tus 2006. Mm. And then from 2007 to current, the lineup's been the same. So uh, from Messengers to Phantom Anthem, it's all been the same. So in 2007, they released Messengers. Uh, 2009 was Constellations, which they did this. They just did their 10-year anniversary tour for. Uh, then there was Leveler, Rescue and Restore, which is their highest uh, ranking album that ever debuted on the charts. It debuted at number nine. Rescue and Restored? Yep. Oh, nice. It's their highest charting album ever. Um, Deservedly and then, so. And then you had Found in Faraway Places and Phantom Anthem. Both killer albums. We'll get to ranking those in a minute. I actually didn't do that in all my research, so <sighs> I'm going to need a minute. I didn't, um, I didn't either, but... Uh... My ranking for all the albums is constantly in flux anyway. So. All right. So we haven't done an actual artist spotlight before, but I'm going to go through their disc discography and give you a track listing for each album. Um, and then I'm going to do my top three in like an honorable mention or two that I like. Um, so Thrill Seeker, the uh, only recorded album with the second singer, Josh McManus, uh, contains songs, uh, Your Little Suburbia is in Ruin, Speech Impediment, Endorphins, too Late for Roses, Barbarian, The Reflective Property, A Wishful of Dreams, Consumer, A Shot Below the Belt, Eve of the End, and The Seventh Trumpet. Yeah, my uh, top three off of Thrill Seeker. Number three is Your Little Suburbia is in Ruin. Um, it's the first song I heard off of Thrill Seeker. Mm -hmm. My number two is A Shot Below the Belt because I listened to that on their live CD and I was like, holy crap, it's really good. And my number one song off of Thrill Seekers, Barbarian, because that opening riff just, whoa, Oh, man, nasty. so filthy. And then uh, my honorable <laughs> mention for Thrill Seeker is a song called Endorphins. Endorphins is good. Which is track number three. Endorphins actually made my top three of Thrill Seeker. Nice. All right, Polar Bear, give us your top three. 
Okay. From Thrill Seeker, I chose in no particular order because I'm not good at the actual like ranking of them. I just picked my top three. It's hard to order my songs. My favorite three. Uh, I picked uh, Too Late for Roses, Consumer, and Endorphins. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting picks there. Those are all killer songs. All right, Blitz, uh, you're you're the huge AVR guy here, certified top fan. This is so Uh, hard. You set him up for a failure now if he stumbles. Oh, I had to. Oh no, this is this is my favorite band. Um, I yeah, I love all their stuff. Period. Um, period. Um, speech impediment has my favorite AVR riff of all time. That intro riff is just killer. So. I got to put that one on there. Um, and then I think I got to go with Eve of the End and the Seventh Trumpet. I love how Eve mm. of the End intros Seventh Trumpet and they just go right into each other. I like how long the Seventh Trumpet is and uh, it's killer live. Like when uh, they, uh, the stars begin to fall lyric, they uh, just like cut out all the music so that it's just all the fans' voices. And then it like cuts back in with that like breakdown and people just go crazy. Anyway, back to Bigfoot. Back we're, to on, Bigfoot. Uh, we're on the second album. Album number two, the first one with Messengers. Mr. Which a Mass lot of people Mass think Mass is the first album. Right, because it's the first one with the current lineup, which consists of Jake Lurs, J.B. Brubaker, Brenton Rambler, uh, Dustin Davidson, and Matt Griner. Yes. Or those Sorry, guys that are... The, who's, their, who's their current lineup? All the all the guys, um, except Jake, Jake and Dustin, the bassist, who can do any of the things in that band and has a side project called best case scenario. If you're into pop punk, um, right. It's very good. Which I certainly am. So I'll be looking that up. Yeah. He sings, he screams, he, he plays guitar, he plays drums, he plays bass. Dustin Davison can do it all. But anyway, uh, messengers is the first album with Jake and Dustin on it. Right. So here's the track listing for messengers, which for a while was my favorite ABR album. It's still up there for me. Um, it's most so, people's favorite. Truth it's of a liar. Leveler. <laughs> Up against the ropes. Backburner. The blinding light. Composure. Vital signs. The eleventh hour. The balance. Black sheep. And American dream. And redemption. Uh, redemption is actually Jake Lur's favorite ABR song. If you didn't know that. Oh, you know what? I didn't know that. That makes sense though. That one's he doesn't like. I know that he doesn't like doing that one live because it's kind of emotional for him. Right. Uh, my top three for Messengers. Truth of a Liar is number three. The Blinding Light is number two because that oh, that chorus riff is just so rhythmically pleasing. It's so bouncy. I will, well, it's not going to get into the bouncy things, but yeah, bouncy. It's really hard not to jump up and down to. And their probably most iconic riff of all time is my number one because I'm a bro. Uh, composure is my number one mm. off of Messengers. Just because that thing gets me going every time. Uh, and my, uh, I have two honorable mentions for this one. Vital Signs and Backburner. So, Composure, because it's dope. Because I'm basic. Composure's probably their most well-known song. Agreed. Um, I also picked 11th Hour. And Up Ooh. Against the Ropes. 11th because I like the, uh, I like the intro. 11th, 11th Hour is a good song. Of a, kind of a deep cut. Up Against I, the Ropes might be one of my honorable mentions for that album, too. Honestly, like, Vital Signs and 11th Hour, I was like, mm, which one should be the honorable mention? I'm like, mm, they're both so good. 11th mm. Hour is dope. I can't fight it. 
had to go on the list because I'm also trying to do like the songs I don't have saved on my other playlists. Mm. So believe it or not, the second half of Messengers with um, a few uh, exceptions, I cannot in my brain keep all the songs apart. And I think a lot of people when they first hear ABR, it all just sounds like a bunch of metal chaos to them because that was me. And then you realize that all their songs are actually very different. But uh, Messengers to this day, I still have a hard time keeping all the songs separate. They all run together for me. But uh, my top three. Truth of a Liar, uh, because it's killer live. Oh my gosh. Uh, They do the crowd thing again. I love the crowd participation where they just have the crowd shout parts. Uh, Composure is probably in my top three ABR songs of all time, just because. There's nothing not to like about that song. It's uplifting, it's positive, which is something they're known for. Um, Angry music for happy people. Yeah, it's a genre that's mostly angry, but uh, Composure is one of... And uh, Messengers is a pretty angry album compared to a lot of their other ones, but Composure is like very uh, inspirational um, about uh, picking yourself up out of self-harm and stuff. Um, And uh, it's got killer breakdowns and uh, it's so good um, and uh redemption i like the uh the prayer nature of redemption it's a uh, it's a good song to sing when you're feeling really broken and lost and uh that's my he's top been there three. and done that people he's been there done that that's my top three of uh and my honorable mention for composure would be uh or for <laughs> the composure <laughs> album uh for messengers would be lost messengers the outtakes and August Burns Red's cover of Those About to Rock and Piano Man. <laughs> but also the original songs on that album. Uh, okay, so moving on to album number three, uh, which is arguably, it has the most songs they play the most off of it. Um, Constellations is the one where the album art is the uh, guy pulling the balloon. Star, the, yep. The star. Yep. star. Yep. Yep. But uh, the track listing for Constellations, 30 and 7, Existence, Ocean of Apathy, Whitewashed, Mariana's Trench, The Escape Artist, Indonesia, Paradox, Meridian, Rationalist, Meddler, and Crusades. Oh, this one's going to be so hard to pick three off of. My oh, no. top I've three. Got my three. <laughs> Number three. They're dope. You've got your yep. three? Number three is Meddler. Number two is, number two is Whitewashed. Whitewashed. And oh, my gosh. And number one is Mariana's Trench because I just love that <clears throat> song so much. And my honorable mentions are Meridian because masterful instrumental work on that song and Indonesia. Ooh. He sleeps with the So my top three is exactly the same as Ocean's. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that was going to happen eventually. Oh, man. I think my top three might be the same as Ocean's, too. So before we, uh, I'll give three honorable mentions before we move on. Um, uh, Meridian's got to be in my, because that, that's my number one honorable mention, because that one's incredible. Um, Crusades is uh, heartstring, polar, heavy, angry, uh, but also kind of bittersweet song. And then uh, 30 and 7, or you know what? existence that song gets slept on that one's that one's a i've a i've cried pretty hard listening to existence 
that's uh that song's got some some words for for some peoples if uh, you need to pick me up um the title of 30 and 7 not a lot of people know this but uh it's actually in reference to a bible verse that somehow went with the lyrics that matt griner wrote but he can't remember what the verse was and uh he still hasn't found it to this day <laughs> what a noob it's you, not you gotta, a you gotta bookmark these things it's not psalms 30 and 7 though that's the one everyone always assumes which uh doesn't really have anything to do with the song so i don't know why Probably but anyway i don't, don't want to take up the whole episode with the artist spotlight so let's move on <laughs> album number four from 2011 polar bears favorite album from abr who knows why um my second favorite. Oh, shut mm, your butt. I, this is low for me. Um, it's low for most people. Uh, but it's called Leveler. I'm about it. The track listing goes as follows. Empire, Internal Canon, Divisions, Cutting the Ties, Pangea. Oh, I'm going to butcher this one. How do you say it? Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem. Yeah, that's it. Come on, uh, bro. You got to Carpe that Diem. <laughs> 40 Nights, Salt and Light. Poor Millionaire, 116-2011. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, that's just like an intro to a song, too. Yeah, I know. Those are always uh, my favorite for some reason. Boy, Boys of Fall <laughs> and the title track, Leveler. Uh, my top three, Pangea, Cutting the Ties, and Empire. Because mm. I'm basic and I like the singles. Dang, dude. that's uh, uh... Yeah, that's the thing is with all my top three, it's usually the singles because uh, ABR puts out good they they know they're good work what's funny though about august burns red is all their songs are pretty close to being the same level of goodness like everyone agrees that they haven't put out a bad album no i just i enjoy other ones better this is um, this is the album that most people cite as being their worst work which obviously I, polar bear and i disagree with i have a top three Go i even have it. an honorable mention for this one. Oh, nice let's hear them so my top three empire Carpe Diem, and Leveler. If you uh, watch any ABR live video, it's got to be Empire, because there's like a clean singing section in it, or like a chor- gang chorus, and uh, so the audience does it live, and uh, it's pretty chilling, or just yeah, exciting. Yeah, it is. Though, my honorable mention, Boys of Fall. Boys of Fall is so good. <laughs> my top three uh empire oh man so hard pangea That's what she said i pangea is one of my favorites and then uh leveler um the leveler yeah, leveler slept on the song there's a there's a breakdown towards the end that everyone's got to go listen to boys of fall is a good honorable mention um internal canon one yes. of abr's most positive lyrics um and salt and light i like a lot all right moving on to what is arguably well no it is it's the highest they've ever charted on billboard uh debuted at number nine from 2013 it's the album that got me in blitz into metal rescue and restore and uh, the track listing goes as follows provision treatment spirit breaker which we mentioned before count it all is lost uh sincerity creative captivity fault line beauty and tragedy which is the title of this episode uh animals echoes and the first step the second half of this out al- the last three songs of this album were kind of weak for me but um, echoes was weak for you no it's good but it, there's other ones that i'm like oof way better interesting um 
But my top three, Beauty and Tragedy is number three. Uh, Fault wow. Lines number two. Spirit Breaker is number one because I wouldn't be in metal if I hadn't heard that song. My, I have a couple honorable mentions here. Provision, uh, Creative Captivity, and Count It All as Lost because Count It All as Lost is just like, mm. whoa, ton of bricks. Yes. My top three are Echoes, Spirit Breaker, and Creative Captivity. Nice. Nice. Creative Captivity is so beautiful. It is. It's dope. It speaks um, to my soul. That's what the thing about this album is, is that this album's really pretty. And it's a lot of people say that it's not as heavy because of that. But um, I would argue it's heavier than Messengers. It's just not as noticeable because there's so much melody in it. Beauty and Tragedy is like ridiculously deep. Like, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty around the really hard parts. The I'll be sure to write your name in the sand. Uh breakdown in beauty and tragedy uh, right my my top three uh echoes oh gosh this is so hard if you guys could see my itunes right now there's like uh, a heart on all but three songs and uh <laughs> animals in the first step are two of those songs like i said the last three <laughs> um treatment not one of my favorite abr songs has my favorite solo in it um it's also one of the ones that didn't get a heart, though. Um, <laughs> when I was going, I used to be super anal about ranking everything. Mm. Oh, gosh. Okay, Echoes. Uh, I'm going to go Fault Line and Spirit Breaker. Spirit Breaker is my favorite ABR song. Mm, I wouldn't say that, but it definitely holds a special place for me. It's either Spirit Breaker or Empire for me. Mm. Or Composure. I don't know. I really, really like uh, Dangerous. Let's go on to 2015. The first album where they got nominated for a Grammy for Best Metal Performance. Uh, this is an album called Found in Faraway Places, which is a great album title, by the way. Mm-hmm. The, art on, the art on this one is very uh, interesting to look at. It's probably my um, least favorite artwork that they've done. But it is. I have the deluxe edition, and it's kind of cool because all the art is raised on the thing. So you can like run your fingers over it and feel all the little trees and the moon and whatnot. <laughs> Right. All right. So here's the track listing. The Wake, Martyr, Identity, which is a Grammy-nominated song, uh, Separating the Seas, Ghosts, which features Jeremy McKinnon of A Day to Remember, if you didn't know that. Oh, my God. Uh, Majoring in the Minors, Everlasting Ending, Broken Promises, Blackwood, 21 Grams, Vanguard, and Marathon. Which was a bonus track that accidentally got shipped with all the standard editions of the album. <laughs> which is good because uh people need to hear that one it's a great song uh my top three uh number three ghosts that's just a good song mm-hmm. and i like how they changed it up with a clean singer yes. identity because i mean come on it's grammy nominated surf rock very fun um majoring in the minors because they do a whole mariachi thing in the middle and i'm mm. just like whoa mind blown um the lyrics and then for I, that one are super good too i have uh three honorable mentions here vanguard because mm-hmm. it's a callback to uh composure in a way um martyr which is just banger oh, wake which is a super like dense like that that song is deep like the opening line is like literally destroy everything like yeah and wipe away the filth like come on my top three Martyr, Blackwood. Ooh, nice. And can you guess my 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 third? Uh, twenty one grams. 
everlasting person. ending. I, I feel like he'll be amazing in the minors type of dude. Ghosts. Because <laughs> of Jeremy oh, McKinnon. Oh, because Jeremy McKinnon. Yeah, yeah we're okay. so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, for those who don't know, A Day to Remember is uh, Polar Bear's favorite band. And Jeremy McKinnon is the lead vocalist. Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them. A Day to Remember is and like, their discography is ridiculous, too. I feel like we got to Yeah, that one's going to be its own episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one could be its own episode, but you're sticking with it, and you're going to deal with it. All right, brother. <laughs> okay. Go- ghosts, Majoring in the Minors, Everlasting Ending, and uh, I'm going to do two. Martyr and 21 Grams. You rule breaker, you. Yeah. <laughs> Try to stop and ladies, me. he's a rebel, and he's single. Well, so the... Oh, there's a plug for him. What the heck? Mar- Martyr is a... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Martyrs is super emotional for me, but the uh, the ending, the last, uh, how the riff goes into an acoustic guitar on Twenty One Grams is like the greatest thing in all of music. That's why I like majoring in the minor so much because one minute it's like, and then the next minute it's like mariachi music. music. Yeah, you're just going, and you see it live, and you're going, what the heck? He's dancing around on the stage like he ain't got no worry. Like, what is this? A metal show or are we dancing now? uh, That cowboy. yeah, sounding western. Yeah, yeah. We got um, both kinds of music here: country and western. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to the final album they put out, number seven from 2017. Ooh, meow, hey, meow, 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 meow. If it, if uh, if all, well, no, they broke the rule. They've been they put out an album about every two years, so we're due for something. Uh, um, the new album's uh, pretty much done. Oh, good they've to been know. recording. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, cause Phantom Anthem is up there for me. Um, Phantom Anthem's way high on my list. It has moved down though a little bit for me. Okay. So the track listing for Phantom Anthem, King of Sorrow, which they've been opening up with, which is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Hero of a Half Truth, The Frost, Lifeline, Invisible Enemy, Quake, Coordinates, Generations, Float, Dangerous, and Carbon Copy. Uh, my top three, uh, Invisible Enemy, King of Sorrow, and Dangerous. Again, all singles. I don't know why it keeps happening. Give give them to me again. Uh, Invisible Enemy number three. Okay. King of Sorrow number two, and uh, Dangerous number one. Uh, my honorable mentions are The Frost, Lifeline, and Float. I picked King of Sorrows, Lifeline, mm-hmm. and Invisible Enemy. All great ones. Lifeline was written by uh, Dustin Davidson. That makes what sense. It? It's got <laughs> bass heavy. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. I like that. Yes. Um. My top three are The Frost, um, Carbon Copy, which was also written by Dustin, um, in the studio, and a bonus track that is now available to the public through the Phantom Sessions EP, Lonnie Akia. Um, It is the fastest three minutes of music you will ever hear, and it could easily be ten. It is, (laughs) some people call it Creative Captivity 2.0, and... It's only got three words in it, and uh, even my mom likes it. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> a Vonda favorite. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up the artist spotlight and get to the rest of the episode, and you're probably going, oh, my God. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> That's right, I- suckers. There's another 45 minutes of this. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> oh, Lord. Honestly, it probably will be. Um, I didn't even want to be here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Um, I had to talk ranking... about my favorite band, though. 
my ranking from worst to best AVR album. Here we get ready for this. Oh lord, because it's changed a lot. All right, so bottom of the pile, Thrill Seeker, just because it's the first one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not great. I mean, it, it's great. They were learning. They were getting the lineup ready. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I got Leveler above that. Uh, it's got good songs on it. It's just I don't think it that is, album's. It's probably my least listened to album, even though it's my second favorite. It's just for some reason I, uh, I don't. It's easy it, to forget. It, it's hard to go through the entire album because it's not it, like the other albums seem more cohesive. You know, this one I think they were like, "Oh, Constellation sounds a lot the same, so we're gonna try and do different things on every song." But it, like, it's too much. You I know? Dis- I disagree, but I a hundred percent know what you mean. Um, and then above that, I have Phantom Anthem. Which oh wow, moved, that's low. Yeah, it moved down um, because hmm. it's it's got a couple duds for me. Um, Which ones? Uh, carbon copy. Gasp. <gasps> um, <laughs> Generations. I did, I did a cover of Carbon Copy. Oh, ouch! That, I I'm sent sorry. it to Montano, and my my cover's pretty John Hershey or whatever their original vocalist was. Oh. <laughs> Sounds a um, co- hard coordinates, to Generations, and Quake are the other ones because I agree with you on Quake. It's an okay song, but it's not. I don't know why. It's just it's a uh, it's heavy. It's and uh, that's about all. I don't I don't like the okay. melodies in it. Uh, I this one moved up one spot because i had phantom anthem above this before uh found it far away places and moved up one for me nice um because excellent the wake martyr identity ghost majoring in the minors uh vanguard there's so there's a lot of good songs on this album and it's like one good cohesive piece you know you know what's funny is i did not like found in faraway places very much at all when i first heard it and that one had to grow on me and grew it did yeah um above that i have constellations which a lot of people will probably have at like two. I have it at three. Probably, yeah. There's a lot on there, and I'm just like, meh, meh. I, I support mid, um, midway. And then I have Messengers because I love that album. Um, but again, it has some duds. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like I said, the last like four songs on that album are real hard. Redemption's good, but the bottom half is weaker for me. Yeah, the bottom half is definitely weaker. Um, and then number one, Rescue and Restore, because yes. that's, like the first, that, that's like the first metal album I ever bought. So, Fuller Bear, can you take a stab at ranking the albums? I refuse to do so. I don't think he's heard enough of like, right. them as a whole. On, the, on principle, I'm not going to. So... Come on, it's your favorite band. You gotta give it a crack. I'm gonna start off with an honorable mention that shall not be ranked because it's impossible to. Sledding Hill. Sledding Hill. (laughs) You've probably heard their Carol of the Bells cover. Uh, It's been in many movies, and they the Disney Drumline team plays it at California Adventure. Um, If you haven't heard it, it's great. Flurries is one of my favorite ABR songs. It's an original and it's gorgeous. Uh, Looks fragile after all. Their first EP is. Not great. Uh, Thrill Seeker, like like Oceans, for the same reasons Oceans already said. Um, okay, this is where, if we have any ABR fans listening, which I hope we do, because otherwise this episode's going to kind of suck. Um, <laughs> uh, this is where people are going to like throw their phones. Um, Messengers is my number two. I, oh, I, oh, just, oh, oh, I wow. just don't love it. It's kind of all the same song to me. I like ABR because of how positive they are, and Messengers is largely 
a negative Nelly kind of an album where they're just kind of a bunch of kids <laughs> yelling about things that piss them off. Negative um, Nelly. Number three. So this is where all the albums after this, it kind of doesn't really matter because they're all like the same to me. It's like picking between your children or they're not even my children because I didn't make them, but it's, it feels that way. I love them all fairly equally. But, your uh, adopted children. Yeah, I think I've got to go found in faraway places, which pains me, but... I'm, I'm, it's a toss-up for me in that spot between Found and Far Away and Phantom Anthem. Yeah. But fa- those don't hold a candle to the other, like, yeah. three that I had. Choosing between Phantom and Constellations is really hard for me, but I'm going to put Constellations above it. And then Levelers, one of the f- albums I almost never listen to, but when I do, I don't know, it just feels like a journey to me. Like, I feel like I'm listening to a fantasy novel for some reason. I think because of Pangea, and uh, there's a lot of storytelling in it. So you you have Rescue and Restore at number one, then, like I do. Oh, yeah. Like, that's there's just not a song on it I don't like. Even the first step, which was my least favorite ABR song for a while, has grown on me so much. And uh, <laughs> I've almost broken my neck to that song so many times. Count it all as oh lost. I've, I've cried, ugly cried too. And uh, <laughs> Fault Line has uh, got my favorite ABR breakdown in it. Beauty and Tragedy, a very heavy song. Uh, and we'll get to that theme-wise. because that is the theme of the episode. And this is why we're talking about ABR because that was the theme we agreed on. So Beauty and Tragedy, good way to set it up. Uh, we're going to take a quick break because we're going to get bootied again. Oh, shoot. And uh, we'll be back with the meat and potatoes of this episode. The We're going to talk about myth, legend, and whatever Blitzbear's got to talk about because whoever knows with him. <laughs> All right, see you guys on the flip. If you got a gnarly douche you gotta drop, this might be the episode for you. <laughs> Firebear, you got a you got a myth or a legend for us? Yeah, I'm just feeling bad because it's a long one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just we'll just make it. We'll just let people know it's a long episode, and uh, that's what we'll have to. That's just how it's gonna have to be. It's okay. My mom drives two hours, so if we go that long, she'll have an entire uh, there you go way home from work. It's a podcast. Most people who listen to podcasts, it's a long format entertainment thing. Let's hear the story. All right, that's so not guess- Goatman. Just so everybody knows, it's not Goatman. Yeah, it's not Goatman. We're gonna. Do- I've decided next time we are all together. In the same room, I'll do Goatman then. We, that we gotta, could be a fun outdoor episode. We could go build a fire. We could get the fire crackling for the listeners and have them. Well, you know, no. I, I can even make... I, the Goatman story is going to take so long, though. We might have to do it as a bonus episode. Anyway, back to Bigfoot. What's the story we're talking about today? You want to hear a story about a, a lady named Dolly, a guy named Fred, and some other guys that come up? Yeah. Um, right. I'm, not, I'm not sure where this is going. There's one chick and like six guys. Um, go on. It go. It goes in a direction that you expect, actually. It just oh, like, and Lord then it mercy. takes a turn. You don't. All right. So there's a, a guy. His name is uh, Fred Osterick, and uh, he marries a lady. Her name, um, I can't. I can't remember her actual first name, but it's a crazy German first name because she emigrated from Germany as a young girl. And, uh, but he marries a gal named Dolly. Now, Fred, the only things we know about Fred is that he owns and operates a, uh, manufacturing company that makes aprons hmm. and he drinks a lot. Okay. Those are, that's everything we can, I can find about Fred. 
<laughs> is he so I'll, I'll i'll find out you'll find out so fred and dolly get married they are living in milwaukee where fred is having his uh manufacturing plants and everything and um shortly into their marriage uh dolly isn't as uh, excited about married life as she used to be because fred doesn't pay attention to her and uh, isn't satisfying all of her needs sadly pretty common mm-hmm. yep so dolly starts getting some action on the side oh, with, Lord. you know the milkman and whoever else she can find uh, i thought we already talked about rose from titanic come on <laughs> <laughs> and then one day her sewing machine breaks so she calls up fred and says my sewing machine is broken i need it fixed so fred sends one of his guys that uh, works on keeps the facilities running at his factory over to look at it because you know they have sewing machines at the apron factory hmm. and the guy he sends is otto sandhuber and otto A is German. 17 oh no no oh, they're in milwaukee boy. but uh he's 17 and dolly at that point is 27 what's the age of consent uh, I don't know. This is like the eight. This is the late eighteen hundreds. What's consent? Honestly, what, at this what's point. consent? <laughs> so, anyways, um, the legal, the legalities of that aside, they uh, they start having a regular affair. Just you know, in sleazy motels and his uh, room he rents at the hotel downtown where he lives, and uh, when Fred's Funny. out of the house. They'll Twice. be banging headboards in the house. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. So Dolly's a ripe old cougar then. That's well, correct. Well, at not, least she's, at least she's under 30. But I yeah, mean, they're, yeah. 10 years they're, older. He's 17. Come apart. on. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, but anyways, as you'd imagine, because he's Otto's coming over a lot. So the neighbors start to gossip and somebody lets it slip to. just freaking broken. <laughs> it's just like destroyed every day. We need to pray for the sewing machine. It's, it's life is in shambles. That's, that, that's not what's destroyed every day, but go on. And uh, but anyway, so one of the neighbors tells Fred like, <laughs> "Hey, there's this guy that like keeps coming to your house, and your wife told me that it's her vagabond half brother. But I've heard the sounds coming out of your house. I don't think it's her brother." I would hope not. (laughs) Why would you play yourself like that? Like, he's the sewing machine guy. That's the story. That's the story Dolly's trying to... Yeah, seriously. It's a bad plot. But anyways, um, so... Did this really happen, or is this a a plot to something? (laughs) This is true. This is all true. Um, So Fred finds out. Yeah. He goes and... uh, confronts dolly and says break it off and so it's either break it off or divorce and you get nothing and she said i like the way i live right now because you know they're rich (laughs) aprons are uh especially back then a pretty regular household commodity it's true so they're doing well off and she says i need that cash i think so he should have just kicked her out homeless and destitute Probably, but uh, Dolly decides she'll talk to Otto and she'll talk. Uh, 
and she'll try to um <laughs> she'll do whatever she can to stay in the money you know what i'm saying okay um anyways then strange things start to ha- start to happen in the house and Fred starts seeing shadows and things he left aren't where he left them the next morning. And some of his stuff starts going missing. And he hears just like walking sounds in the house. And so he starts drinking to like keep the demons at bay more. But it just keeps happening. It's the opposite way of how to handle demons. (laughs) Uh And after about five years of that, Five years, half a decade, he says, you know what? I'm going to start a a West Coast branch of my manufacturing company. We're moving to L.A. And Dolly says, fine, but whatever house we get has to have an attic. And Fred says, oh, my, whatever. If she's got a bunch of crap, we'll get a house with a lot of storage. Mm, I'm scared. So I I know where this is going, I think. So they moved to L.A., and Fred goes back to work, and Dolly's in charge of moving everything into the house. And um, pretty much as soon as they move back in, where the house they bought to avoid the ghosts and run away from them, Fred's still having the ghosts. Still hears every all the noises. Stuff is being moved. Well, you know, they call the contents of the bottle spirits for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> that, was, that was good. Yeah. And, uh... Well, Dolly goes ahead and gets herself another lover in L.A. Steps out on Fred again. And their marriage deteriorates as it would. And LA she keeps is the just place like, to find uh, illicit affairs, I suppose. Yeah, and like Dolly just is just like leaving them, leaving a line of bodies, you know, just leaving them laying. Oh, that's a and fun. so like Fred will find out, and she'll dump them, and then she'll go get another one and start again. And this is another five years of oh her having affairs in L.A. And so finally, they're like, they're just yelling and screaming and having a match. And it's so loud that the neighbors outside, and mind you, they live in a big mansion with other big houses around it. Mm. So it's not like they're in a little apartment, but their yelling wakes up the neighborhood and everyone is hearing them. And then three gunshots. See, and then. And this neighbors... is where I expected the story to go, but you mm-hmm. said there was a twist, so I feel like we're coming up on the twist. Oh, oh, we're coming on a twist here. Oh, I'm so scared. there's three gunshots. The neighbors run over. They kick in the door. They look inside the drawing room. Fred is dead on the floor, shot three times. But they don't see Dolly. But they hear muffled screaming and hitting and pounding upstairs. So they run upstairs and they find Dolly locked in the closet that only locks from the outside. I remember hmm. that detail. Very important. So they get Dolly out, and Dolly tells them a strange man broke in, tried to rob them, and it went south, and he locked her in the closet. Okay. And they say, well, thank goodness he left you alone. And they go downstairs, and Fred's wallet is missing, his golden watch, and some other valuables off of just Fred. 
Nothing else is taken. And then, so the police are called. You know, like good citizens, the neighbors aren't just like going to conduct the investigation themselves. They call the cops. And the cops look at Dolly and they're like, you did this, but we can't prove it. So we're going to leave you alone right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, six months goes by and, uh, Dolly has another, another, uh, male companion. And, uh, one day she says to this male companion, she says, Hey, can you take this gun and go throw it in the La Brea tar pits for me? It'll look suspicious to the police if I have the same caliber handgun that killed my husband. And so the guy is, you know trying to get some and get at this widow's fortune so he's like yeah i'm totally gonna take this gun from you and throw it in the la brea tar pits okay and then a couple months later they break up and he's like you know what screw you lady and she he goes to the cops and tells them about the gun okay and so the cops are like dope she had the gun we're gonna go arrest her fuck her so they arrest her and then um they find um they find her, and a guy moved into the house, and it's <laughs> her uh, lawyer, Herman uh, Shapiro, who is also her lover, and they are also living together. Oh, and when Lord. they walk in, Herman is wearing the gold watch that matches the one that was stolen from Fred. Oh. So... They're like, hmm, where'd you get that? He says, Dolly gave it to me. And they say, ooh, that's not good. (laughs) So they take Dolly into custody. Herman's like, what am I going to do? Wait, she was locked in the closet from the outside. We found the key outside in the hall. She couldn't have done it. And so that's his defense he's like throwing in the ring for her. Ooh, that's not a solid defense. I mean, it's... It's pretty good. It's baffling because she was in the closet, locked from the outside. How could she have done it? I don't know. I feel like my first thought would be, okay, did you lock her in the closet? Uh, Well, Herman wasn't in the picture yet. Okay. Herman Herman came way after Fred was dead. Okay, okay. But uh, anyways, so she's arraigned and... You know, when you go on murder, you you don't get bailed very easily. And especially since she has just so much money at her disposal. Uh, They said, no bail. You are stuck in prison until we're done with you. And so she looks at Herman and she says, I need you to go to my house. I need you to pick up groceries on the way. I need you to make a meal. I need you to go to the back of my closet. And knock on the back of the closet. On the wall in the back. Oh no, I don't like this. At all. And so Herman, being very curious, does that. Takes Boy. a meal up to the, the attic, or the closet. Knocks on the back wood, uh, panel of the uh, closet. And a little door opens. And a voice says, hello Herman. And then, out of the hole in the back of the closet, climbs out Otto Sanhuber. <laughs> He's been living in their attics 
for 10 years. Oh my oh, wow. gosh. Writing his own Pulp Fiction novels and making uh, gin in the bathtub that's in his attic. Oh my gosh. And at uh, night he comes out and he would move and he would like do stuff while they were sleeping. So that's why stuff would be missing and moved and why there'd be footsteps. So the ghosts Fred had heard all the time. It was Otto. And, and so Herman says they were continuing their relationship this whole time. I'm guessing that's correct. He was her live-in lover for ten oh years. So wow. she was like triple cheating. That's right. Well, but Herman is then like, so what's up? And he's like, oh, so I killed Fred because I thought he was gonna hurt Dolly, and I know where the guns are because one time there was a break-in while they were both gone, and I scared the guy away with an inkwell. So then I went and found all the guns for next in case, you know. Mm. So, wow. what do you think? What do you think the lawyer defending Dolly does with the information that he has the killer in front of him? Well, here's what he does: he tells Otto to get out of the country, pack your bags and leave. And oh, Otto nice. does just that and runs to Canada. And Herman gets Dolly out off of. Her charges acquitted because they can't really prove anything. Everything's pretty circumstantial. And she was in the closet. So how could she have done it? And uh, Herman and Dolly stay together for, uh, I don't know, six, seven years. Something like that, I think is what I read. Wow. And six years later, who comes back to Los Angeles? But Otto. But now his name is Walter Klein, and he has a wife. And Herman's like, screw that guy. I told him not to come back. Mm -hmm. So he turns him into the police. Fair enough. And he goes to trial, and he's convicted, but not of murder. He's convicted of manslaughter, because it was he spins that it's self-defense. Okay. But sure. manslaughter has a statute of limitation on it, which had already been exceeded. So he was convicted on manslaughter, and then they had to let him out because <laughs> they, they couldn't actually charge him with that. Uh, and wow. he lived happily ever after without anybody knowing where he was or what he was doing. There's hmm. no more records of Otto. Huh. Wow. The end. That was a long story. All right. I told you. Make, make it real quick. I got to go. Uh, I've been summoned. Oh, man. Well, I feel like we've... Uh... We've we've talked about a, enough stuff in this that I could make it quick. I guess the thing about uh, AB, the thing that ABR means to me, and kind of in t keeping with our theme, beauty and tragedy, is uh, their uh, Jake Lurs, their lead vocalist, has an organization for people uh, that struggle with mental health called Heart Support. Uh, they release awesome books. Their uh, main writer Benjamin Sledge is a fantastic author if you ever want to go read any of their articles it's a good time very entertaining um they have a support wall if you need help uh and can't afford counseling and if you want counseling there's ways that they can help you find it um so just stuff like that um the song beauty and tragedy means a lot to me my uncle passed away shortly after i bought rescue and restore and uh so that song just reminds me about him a lot because it's a song about um the beauty in losing someone, the bittersweetness of it, um, if you believe in the afterlife and seeing them again. 
So just stuff like that. And uh, today's been a pretty rough day. I didn't want to do this podcast at all, but then uh, it's good to talk to your friends and about your favorite band. Thank you, Oceans, for uh, oh yeah having us do oh, yeah. a spotlight on August Burns Red, which was fun for me. Um, and we good talked, time to me too. Talked forever. <laughs> I know this is going to be. I have two more things to add before we close it out. Um, uh, Beauty and tragedy as a topic. Uh, the death of Kobe Bryant. Mm. Uh, super tragedy, right? Yeah. But uh, the things I've seen around, like the NBA, and like it's united different cultures and stuff, and it's bringing everybody together uh, as one to celebrate his life and everything. It makes um, you kind of take stock of what's important in life. And then my own personal thing that uh, I've seen: uh, somebody dies, and then somebody's born. So beauty and tragedy there. Yeah, I think that's a good correlation. Um, that's a line from um, Echoes. I'm forced mm-hmm. to, uh, while I'm mourning the loss, I'm celebrate. I'm forced to celebrate new life. Right. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for beauty and tragedy. Uh, Polar Bear, you got any last comments before uh, we sign off? Nope, I think I'll let everybody off the hook. I'll, you're, I'll all, leave, you're all free to go. I'll leave with one one more thing. Um, there's an old Chinese proverb. Who knows if it's actually Chinese or old, but that's what <laughs> you say. Um, I think it is, though. Uh, I don't remember how it goes entirely, but the kind of gist of it is there's this old man whose donkey like gets lost or something, and everyone goes, oh, you must be real upset about that. And he goes, eh, who knows? And then his son finds the donkey, and they go, you must and uh he finds the donkey like with a huge pot of gold or something and they go oh you must be like really excited it was a great thing your donkey went missing and he goes eh, who knows and uh while they're getting the pot back to the house his son breaks his leg people go you must be pretty upset about that and he's like eh, who knows and then there's a war and his son doesn't get drafted because he has a broken leg so life is full of good and bad things and we'll never escape that the key is just learning how to accept the good and the bad as they come. And usually the bad things will turn out to be good things. And the good things sometimes might not be so great. Well, oh, good way to end it. Um, sorry, this was uh, long and tedious, but uh, we experimenting, trying to get better, you know, it's always a experiment with us. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is the first spotlight we've done. Yeah. This has been bear attack. Uh, I talked about August Burns Red. Nate got deep about beauty and tragedy. Sam told us a story about Rose from Titanic, but not really Rose from Titanic. <laughs> uh, either way, they're hoes. Um, we all hate Rose. There's random dudes living in people's closets now. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been Bear Attack. Uh, we'll see you next time. And remember, myths, music, and miscellaneous stuff. Bear Attack.